And now, on with the show. Okay. Hey, welcome to Film Fracas, everybody. Film Fracas. What up? Hello. Hi. I'm Robbie DeShazer. As always, my host with me today, Carter Billiards. Hello. Brett The Rock Johnson. Happy to be here. And Phoenix Zarola. Hey. Okay, guys. So let's give a quick recap of what... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, no, let's just keep going. Yeah, we'll just keep it going. Just fun and laughter all around here, so, in the recording studio. Okay, so you were were saying a recap? Oh, yeah, let's do a recap of what happened in our first episode. This is the second episode of our first season. Yes, last week on Film Fracas. Previously on Film Fracas. Ba-da-boom. All right, round one. We just did the same bit twice. Was uh, <laughs> oh boy, round one. We just did the same bit twice. Previously on film. Oh my god, <laughs> no, Carter. But uh, no, stop this podcast. <laughs> no, Turn yeah. it around. So round one was uh, best protagonist, and after a long and arduous discussion battle, they they fought it out in the arena. All these movies. I mean, it was it was a bloodbath. It really was. It really. I mean, you should have seen. I it. mean, specifically. Like, Every movie was beating up on one movie specifically, and that it, was... That, that was La La Land. It was La La Land. La La Land lost first. It's, it's gone. Hashtag. That was someone heckling that La La Land lost first. Our live studio audience. Pers- that person was wrong. <laughs> so La La Land lost our first round, which yep. was Best Protagonist. Uh, I mean, if you want to hear all of our discussion on that, go listen to the first episode. What are you doing on episode two? Yeah. You're start at the beginning. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about our Episode second challenge. Two. So we have 11 films left, and we have a whole bunch of categories here in mm-hmm. this hat or this internet randomizer, and I will be picking one right now. A, a digital hat. Okay. Really. Oh, a digital shit. hat. If you would. Right. A digital we'll hat. A digital okay. hat. Here it is. Our topic for this week is best story. Okay. Whoa. Here we go. Oh. All right, so let's kind of define what our parameters for best story and, you know, what we're looking for here. So if everybody wants to kind of say, like, what they're going to be judging the films based off of. Um, I would say for best story, we're looking at the basic plot. So what is the movie about? And okay. we're just kind of comparing, you know... How is this, you know, how is this movie and how's the story? How complex is it versus how simple it is? You know, are there lots of twists and turns? Is it pretty straightforward? That kind of thing. And I think a good um, distinction is the reason why we're saying best story and not best writing is dialogue is not uh, not something that we're thinking in this situation. No, right. It's yeah. strictly just the the what writing happens. that yeah, what happens and the plot and the and the, exactly. the story itself, not exactly. anything with the actual dialogue. It's just the the framework of the yeah, movie. Exactly. Like okay. the like the Star Wars prequels, you know. Good story, bad dialogue. Bad that, everything. Yeah, else. that's Carter talking for himself there. <laughs> Don't let that be a consensus of the whole podcast, but All yes. right, yeah. So essentially we're saying dialogue is a separate category for a different week. Yeah. Yes. But today and we are focusing on story. Okay. Are we also like taking into account like subplots and B plots that yeah. May or may oh, not be sure. okay. part of the story. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. And com- it doesn't necessarily have to be the most complex, just the one that like gets it done mm-hmm. and one that is satisfying mm-hmm. enough that we all, you yeah. know, right. really enjoy. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I want to emphasize, yeah, that complexity is not, not the key. defining factor. Not the defining mm-hmm. factor. Okay. Yeah. Cool. If you have a simple plot, you can explain why it's perfect for this film and yes. why. Exactly. So that being said, uh we have mm-hmm. our list of films that are still in the running. And, of course, those are... Let me scroll up here because my... We got... Robocop is still in the running. The Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Lilo and Stitch. Iron Man, The Big Lebowski. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The Princess Bride. Moonlight. Silence of the Lambs. And The Shining. Okay, cool. Still a good crop of films. Still, Still a, stacked a good list. crop of films. There we go. All right, so. It's going to be a good harvest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good harvest of films here. So, who wants to go ahead and start and give their, I guess, defense for the three or two that they still have? Let's do the same order as last episode and start with Brett. 
Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> sure, <laughs> why not? Coming in strong. Not uh, prepared. Well, I'm, I'm coming in. Uh, okay, so let's uh, start this off right and talk about the majesty of RoboCop. Uh, I feel like RoboCop has good story, solid, tight. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's not super complex. It's very straightforward, which I think works very well in its favor because it doesn't need to be complex. It's very character driven. It is only about, well, it is about Alex Murphy becoming RoboCop and rediscovering his humanity and still becoming and still being a great police officer and upholding the law. And so it's like, it's actually got a really, it's got a really good story and it's got a lot of great themes, even though it is like kind of considered just like a cheesy eighties action flick. Uh, The cheesiest of eighties action flicks sometimes. No, I mean like, yeah, some, some people do consider it to be that kind of thing, but it's like, it's just, the story is like so much more than just, Oh, it's a robot cop that's dumb it's like no like this guy is like rediscovering who he is and like reclaiming his memories and all that while also stopping this corrupt corporation from like hopefully like ruining the lives of other people and so uh yeah i feel like robocop's got a strong solid story uh lord of the rings fellowship of the ring also good solid strong story it's your classic uh, sword and sorcery adventure. Uh, the hero is kind of unexpectedly thrown into this mass conflict, and it's just it's a just. Uh, ooh, sorry, lost my train of thought there. It's just it's just a great adventure from beginning to end. There's always something going on. It never really drags or slows down at any point. Also, not like unnecessarily complex. Like, I want to say it's a simple story, even though it's a fantasy movie with, uh, <laughs> among other things, uh, these orc people that are <laughs> dragged up from the mud. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> then, yeah, I don't really know what else I can say about Lord of the Rings. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, also a great story. Don't be fooled by the fact that it is an animated Disney film. I feel like Lilo and Stitch has one of like the deepest stories of many. Robbie, you okay over there? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting over a cold, so I can only breathe oh. through my mouth, and I'm trying. Okay, to it looked like you rolled your eyes, and I was about to oh, no. jump across the table. Damn! But uh, I'm sitting there trying not to. Just okay, like, yeah, I got you. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lilo and Stitch. It's just this really just kind of like heartbreaking, heart fixing tale of just these two sisters who just. Like, don't get along trying their best to make it in this world. And then this alien destruction machine just ends up in their tiny Hawaiian Island. And it just kind of like ruins everything. But then like they also manage to fix him while he manages to fix Lilo. And it's just, it just deals with a lot of things you don't really see in your typical animated movie. Like this family gets torn apart, but then they come back together. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a really also not unnecessarily complex. Uh, yeah, so I feel like they're all all three of the films are just straightforward, solid, and strong. Uh, don't know how you guys feel about that, but I guess we'll uh, right. I guess we'll uh, hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just are we just gonna go through and talk about those three films real quick? Or? Yeah, and then we'll go we'll on to yeah. the next one. So of the three that Brett brings to us today. Um, Lord of the Rings, I've said it before, is my least favorite. And I know it's it's a pretty straightforward story, but I don't know. Every time I watch it, I just feel like it's overly complex for me for like whatever reason. I don't I can't get into it. I don't feel like I know what's going on half the time. And maybe that's a fault of mine, but I feel like I've seen this movie like four to five times, and every time I just feel like I'm out of the loop. So I don't that's, know. But they explain exactly what's going on. Like the beginning of the movie gives you all the exposition yeah, and set up for this world. And then even like Frodo finds the ring. Gandalf finds out like, oh, this is that ring. Frodo, you got to do this. And then they do that. And the whole movie is like, like it, it's, it's very self-explanatory. Oh, yeah. And I, and I get what you're saying. Like it does a very good job of exposition and everything else. But like Carter was watching this with me when I was getting prepared when we were getting prepared for the show. Yeah. 
And he knows that I was sitting there, like, pausing the movie going, I don't get what's going on. Yeah, and, like, I, again, I don't know really where it's coming from or why it doesn't connect with you. Um, I mean, that's just your thing. Yeah. I have never had a problem understanding it. Like, what Brett was saying is pretty much like an exposition dump. Like, which is, I think, I mean, they make it work, and it's good. And I think out of those three movies, I personally think out of those three Fellowship of the Ring has is the weakest in terms of story, just in that it's like the first third of a story. It's not really because yes, it has its own like beginning, middle, and end because it's its own separate movie, and it's the most kind of self-contained of the three. But I still think overall it feels like the beginning of a story, and there isn't a lot of resolution because it is very much like this is what's to come. That, that was something I was going to bring up as well is this is an interesting case because we have to look at this movie uh, in a singular place because we all know Lord of the Rings becomes a trilogy and we know like like by the end of the trilogy, um, all ties are pretty much covered. But for this specific movie, it seems for for obvious reasons open ended. And if we if I'm trying to think about this in case there was, you know, some person who had seen Fellowship of the Ring and that's it. Like, what do they think of that story? And, you know, it it kind of suffers from that. Um, but that that presents an interesting case for this as well, because should we fault it for this for that reason? Um, or should we not because its purpose was to be kind of open-ended for a trilogy? That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of how you want to interpret that's, yeah, it. Yeah, that's a personal yeah. call. I would say it is the one that's... Uh, most like or it's the one of your of your three that is kind of the most in jeopardy right now because the other two are simple and work and satisfying um but lord of the rings i think is a tricky one that we have to probably think about and talk about i'd say it's more you can fault it because it's more reliant on on like subsequent chapters like it's it's made to be like partially like set up an establishment for these later movies rather than like purposely trying to be its own thing. And then they made more. And that's really my, because they've like, you know, they created three at the same time. They made all three of them at the same time. Um, like basically as one large movie. Right. So, but I think because it's very much dependent on subsequent chapters and viewed as like a trilogy that it, it would be more weaker than, than stronger. Yeah. I do think um, you were exactly right, Brett, on RoboCop that it is a very simple story but that's really what it needs because it is such a character piece. Yeah. Because it's so much about the characters and breaking them down that it's it's important that there's not some kind of overly complicated plot with mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the plot and gives the characters and the action scenes room to breathe yeah. in that story. Which is and really nice. Yeah. Lilo and Stitch, um, I also agree. I think it's I mean, it's got some pretty deep moments, and it's got some deep themes with it, and it's very much, I think, you know, it's it's as simple and as complex, if that makes sense, as it needs to be yeah. for their target audience. Like, because especially with Disney movies, and they're they've kind of mastered it at this point, is taking very mature themes and kind of bringing it down to a level that like reaches kids and like younger audiences, so that they can like grasp it and understand it and see it in in that kind of way. And I think they do a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. Just just to clear that up in case there were people listening that thought I was rolling my eyes at Brett, <laughs> I love that movie. It's probably, of, of the three you brought, it is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think it has the best story. I mean, it's one that I watched it as a kid, and I, even now, like I knew what the story was going back to watch it again. And it stuck with me. And I think that that's a good quality to have when talking about these stories. Um, cir- uh, you're yeah, keep going. All right. Circling back, um, I was just curious if you had like a defense about Lord of the Rings since it seems like that's the one that we seem to be kind of, you know, like I think like, about. Like, yeah, it is like it does leave some stuff open at the end, but it's not like I feel like you're not left with just kind of like a like super cliffhanger where it's just kind of like, Oh, well, like, so what's going to happen? I mean, you, you do wonder what is going to happen next, but like Carter even said, like it is like enough of a self-contained story 
that it's like, I feel like it's not entirely dependent on what comes after. It was like, I feel like it, like it still works. The story still works. I feel on its own because like, ah, geez, I lost my train of thought again. Sorry guys. You're good. Uh, but ah, shoot. No, I lost it. Damn. Ah. That's no worries. And like, like I agree with you that it is like, it stands on its own. I just think, and I, I feel like enough happens. Like there, there is character development yeah. in that movie. Like each, each, like each of the characters does something and grows in their own way. To where it's not like oh like Frodo, it's not like oh Frodo starts like this, and but by the end of the third movie he's this. It's like everybody has their own arc and change, mm-hmm. like almost in each movie, but like especially yeah. in the first one. So I feel like enough happens in the first one, so where it, like it does work as like a super self-contained story, and like even if you do see that one, like yeah, you are gonna wonder like oh like I wonder what's gonna happen next, but it's like it's not like you're left like unsatisfied mm-hmm. with it. It's like enough happens and there is enough resolution to be like, okay, like that works as its own thing. Yeah. I just, I just, oh, I, God, I, I feel like I've just talked in a circle. <laughs> well, no. And I get what you're saying. And like, it is very much, you're right. It is a self-contained story and everyone has their own kind of mini arc, but it's still at least very much to me, like one third of a much larger story. And so because of that, it's not inherently as self-contained. Like it is, yes, a self-contained story. But I think because it's just the beginning of a larger arc, it's kind of on its own. Like it's not because it it is just the first third of the story. And like I know when I saw it in the theater, like it it ended and I was like, I'm ready to watch the next one right now. And like every time I watch it on Blu-ray or DVD, I'm like, I'm ready to watch the next one right now. Like it's one of those movies that at by the time you get to the ending, it's like hyped you up enough that you're like, I'm ready to see what the next chapter brings. Yeah. And of course, like there's a like as we were as we've been talking about, there's certain objectives that are not met because they're met in other in other movies for like the biggest one being yeah. they have to take the ring to Mordor and they don't get there yet. Yeah. So that's something that we, you know, obviously understand because it is a trilogy. But when we look at it um, in a singular uh, kind of in a bottle, that's when it's uh, it raises some problems. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think we talked about this. Yeah, I was going to say, I think yeah. we're ready to move on if you want right. to go with yours. Carter. Right, I was just going to. Real quick, because you because you say like how like you're ready to watch the next one. I think that really like works to its favor because it's kind of like yeah, it is the first third of the thing, but it's like it keeps your attention enough and gets you like it like makes you want to watch the next one. So I feel like that should really work in its favor because it's not like oh like nothing's going on because this is the first third of something. Because I know some series and trilogies really suffer from that kind of thing where it's kind of like oh like the first one sets up like everything and so it like doesn't have a good story but hey watch them as a whole and it works whereas like with lord of the rings it's like yes it does set up every like it does set up for later movies but it does so much where you're kind of like oh like yeah like that was good i want to like i want to know what happens after this i would say that's fair just like real quick and then we'll move on um like because an, it, it's it's kind of like an example of like my train of thought is like like the first movie in the trilogy, it, they accomplished the same goal, um, which is setting up for the rest of the trilogy. And Fellowship of the Ring just does it better. Like, look at The Hobbit. The first movie in the Hobbit series does the, it accomplishes the same things as the Fellowship of the Ring, just not nearly as well. And it's significantly more boring and less exciting. But Fellowship of the Ring is all around better acting, better writing, like right. a better movie with a better story. But like they're doing the same job. That one just does it better. Yeah. And I, I'm also, this is a real quick point. I'm all, you know, when you start talking about first chapters in a trilogy or a series, a lot of the great ones have a very self-contained first movie, first book, whatever. Like, I think Star Wars, you know, I finished Star Wars and I have the same feeling where I'm hyped to watch uh, Empire. I watch Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and I'm hyped to watch the rest of the of yeah. the series. 
But those are very self-contained movies. They have a very solid beginning, middle, and end, and that's the end of that story. Yeah. Now, that is very different as Lord of the Rings is all one story well, told over time. And it's trickier with Lord of the Rings compared to other series, because like, you look at something like Star Wars, which wasn't planned as a trilogy, right? which was one movie, and the first movie is extremely self-contained. It's literally just a single story, and then they right. made a two and a three. And you look at Lord of the Rings, like even as a book, J.R. Tolkien wrote them as a single book, and his publisher said, you have to split this up. Like, this is too long. And so it, like, that story by its nature is, like, this is the first third. Right. Whereas, like, Star Wars was like, oh, we're going to do a trilogy, and they're kind of making each one up as it goes along without necessarily a large overarching plan. Which is why I brought up Harry Potter, which had a full seven-book arc. It had a seven-book arc. Um, It's similar. Um so, yeah. But we can move on now. We've, yeah. talked, we've talked quite a bit about that. Carter, let's um, talk about your two movies Unfortunately, left. Yeah, after two the, movies. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, after the loss of uh, poor <laughs> La La Land, we got, uh, we got uh, Princess Bride, which is, I think, kind of the quintessential storybook. Like, you've got... It's turned on its head a little bit. You've got, you know, Princess Buttercup and Wesley. Oh, dear Wesley. And... He has to. <laughs> you're just gonna. You, you do this during the podcast. You you look at me and you're like, yeah, validate. My, I mean, validate no. my bit. No, that's like, fine. No. no, that's fine. But uh, I liked it. I mean, he's like he's like <laughs> he's Prince Charming, but he's flipped on his head a little bit because he's a pirate. He's the Red Pirate Roberts kind of thing, and you've got a lovely supporting cast of characters, and it's very much like. It's that quintessential like love story, and I mean it's literally read in a storybook. He's reading mm-hmm. the the grandfather's reading this to his grandson, like this is this is the quintessential storybook, and it's just got I mean it's got good humor, and I mean they they hit all the beats, and they fight the bad guys, and they triumph, and I mean it's got everything you'd need in that kind of you know that kind of fantasy you know storybook yeah. love story, and then with Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. You've got, uh, I mean, this is indie, and this is his most, I think, personal movie mm-hmm. because it start the movie starts off as a search for his father more than it is a search for the Holy Grail, and like the whole movie ultimately is about finding the Holy Grail, but for Indy, at least until he finds his father, it's about finding his father, and so it makes it a, a much more uniquely personal movie, and it even starts with the flashback of like a young Indy and how does he kind of become the person he is. And so it's a much more introspective movie, I think, than any of the other ones. And so it's ultimately a little more rewarding at the end, um, when they when they do all the all the cool stuff. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this. Uh, starting with, I just want to give praise to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade here. Uh, it's, I think, while Raiders is the most self-contained of the Indiana Jones movies, I think this one has the best arc for Indy. Seeing as it does start with that flashback, you get kind of an idea of where Indy's coming from, what his relationship with his dad is, and that relationship is so important throughout the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's one of the you know one of the greatest stories of all time is the quest for the Holy Grail, yeah. and it's I think that they do a great job of adapting that yeah. into you know the storyline, the already existing storyline of Indiana Jones, and so I thought it does a great job of that. Just sending my praise to mm-hmm. Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. I have some problems with Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. Heresy. I I mean I don't I obviously don't hate it, but part of me and again as I can get y'all's opinions on this, mm-hmm. part of me thinks that it's a little it's a little too much in one movie. And I I think we've talked about it before in that like I I prefer Raiders over Last mm-hmm. Crusade, and then yeah, and Last Crusade is my second favorite, but. You know, it's like you said, like half of the movie is mostly like him looking for his father mm-hmm. and then another half. Well, I mean, they established it earlier, but it's it feels kind of half and half with mm-hmm. half of it being getting his father and half of it being looking, searching for the Holy Grail. And um, at time or when you're watching it, it can feel directionless in that sense, um, because you I don't know if there's necessarily one coherent story that mm-hmm. kind of like is needed for the second thing. It seems like uh, looking for the Holy Grail is kind of the part that makes it like an Indiana Jones film. And then like the part that, you know, searching for his father is just, you know, just to establish more of an in India as a protagonist, like to get more of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we've seen him two other times before and we, 
uh, just to get more knowledge of him as a person. Um, and I also think with the Holy Grail situation, um, I feel uh, I feel personally disappointed when he ends up having to throw the Grail away and not not getting it. I think that um, one thing that was cool about the Indiana Jones movies is like when he finally gets the the piece the artifact at the end. Mm-hmm. And in this one, this is an interesting case where he searches for it and then ends up not having it at the end of it. Well, he doesn't throw it away. Well, he loses it. He loses it. Yeah. So well, I, but that's he, where he I'm like, well, you can't take it out of the cave anyway. Right. That's what kills the Nazi girl. Yeah. Right. But it falls in the chasm, right? Yeah. 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 So he, he doesn't even get to like have it there. Well, that's you know? kind of the lesson to be learned is that it's, it's too much power for any one man. Like it's not meant to be. And ultimately he picks like family over power. Yeah, to quote Kanye West, no one man should have all that power. Well, and I'm going to kind of go back to your... I don't necessarily think it's directionless. I think you were saying that because it's these two separate stories, I think the two separate stories are one story because his father is searching for the Holy Grail and he's searching for his father who's searching for the Grail. And, like, he, by extension, also searches for the Grail because when he goes to the library, which is where his, like, his grandfather was... or his father was last seen... um, he essentially has to use his father's notes. his father's notes and journal to like search for the Grail while also searching for him, and they kind of go together in that in that sense. I, I suppose, it. but he finds his father first, and then finds the Grail because they're, he's on the track for finding the Grail, and he finds his dad but along he, the way. My my issue is that he finds the dad really early, and then it's like well. And then it's just like them kind of tag teaming to find the Grail, yeah. which is like a nice father and son thing. I do agree, but um, I think that is something that is confusing to me because I like, like you say how he chooses his family over the Holy Grail and stuff, but I think it's established even before then that he would choose family because he, I mean, they don't have like in the movie they're very buddy buddy. They're not like dissed it and stuff like that. And it's yeah. not like, oh, is he going to choose his father and stuff? Well, or is he going to choose... Like, it's... You don't really feel the the tension of is he going to pick one or the other? You kind of already... Like, you you know he's going to pick the father. Like, he has... He, he was looking for his father and not the Holy Grail at first. So you know he's not going to pick the Holy Grail. Well, it's not like... So a, I think there's a little... There's a little small weakness here. And again, this is like yeah. when you're just getting into the nitpickiness mm-hmm. of story and stuff, but... I would just say it's not like... It's for him. It's not a decision of like family or not family. It's like so the whole movie is about like indie because you see it in the beginning. Is very much I don't know what that was. You see it at the beginning, <laughs> Indy's like he's he wants his father's approval, and he thinks you know if I can get the Grail, I think in that last moment when he's hanging on the chasm, he's like if I can just get it, like he'll love me, like it'll all be worth it. Like, everything will be worth it. And in that moment, when his dad grabs him and calls him Indiana, he knows that his father loves him, that it's not. He doesn't have to get this thing. And so that's the moment when he chooses family. And it's like, I don't need this power. I don't need this thing for validation. Like, he's already, he already validates me. He, he already loves me. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah so. I could see that point. I could see it. I could see that. Um, Let's talk about the Princess Bride. Yeah. Or do you have any thoughts about uh, on uh, pretty much very very similar to what Phoenix was saying. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like I, I feel like it is almost kind of like two different stories because it's kind of like, oh, he's got to find his dad. And it's like, yes, he is overall trying to find the grail. But it's like, yeah, it's like it is also like, oh, I got to find my dad. And like, but and also kind of like Phoenix said, it's like if, if this dad is such like a focus and subplot and it's like by the end, like, yeah, you know, he's not going to choose the like you know he's not going to choose the grail or you know he you know he's not going to end up with the grail by the end of it you know he's going to end up choosing the family and having the dad so i feel like it's like kind of predictable in that kind of way and uh and just yeah you you mentioned how it's like a more introspective movie out of the three of them but on its own it seems like kind of like not cliched but it's like if you just watch it for what it is, it's kind of it's got like a number of tropes for like your typical adventure movie. It's like, oh, yeah, here's the flashback showing this guy and how he got here. Oh, he's got daddy issues. He, like, he needs his father's approval and validation. They're going to go on this bonding trip together or like at least to go on this trip together. And by the end, they'll bind 
bind Villa Bond a lot more. And it's like, it, it like again, like not cliche, but it's like, I feel like. But I don't think Indiana Jones has ever shied away from troops. Yeah, because they're very much like his whole character is I mean, based off of like an amalgamation of like. Different pulp, explore movies. Yeah, like pulp adventure kind of. Like he's 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 supposed to be like this kind of cliche like oh I'm the you know action I w- hero kind of thing yeah but I would still argue that like Indiana Jones and Raiders is like you know kind of like a refinement of the familiar and yeah. you know he's like a like he takes on some classic tropes but he's like. Like, uh, a, a, enough, some, enough other stuff happens in Raiders to kind of be like, oh, okay, like, I see what they're doing, but this also does so much more. Like, it does refine him. It's like, oh, yeah. he's not just, like, your, like, Errol Flynn, mm-hmm. like, adventurer guy. He's, like, he's his own person. Like, it creates, like, the Indiana Jones mold for a reason. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Whereas with The Last Crusade, it is, it just feels a little more like, like, those tropes just kind of stand out a little more. And it's like, I feel like not enough really happens, like, with Indy to, like, kind of, like, change, to, like, add anything like new to be like kind of like oh yeah there's tropes but there's this to justify those it's kind of like oh like here's like your typical like adventure story tropes and like it feels kind of paint by numbers at some points mm-hmm. i can see what you're saying but i also yeah. think that some of those things that you say are predictable or tropey help to kind of define the character of indiana jones that is set up in those other like yeah. and i wouldn't necessarily think fall- except like like if if we're looking at Lord of the Rings on its own in that vacuum, then the third one in a I'm not vacuum. Saying you have to have the starting point of Indiana Jones from Raiders. What I'm saying is like the, I, I know you 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 because you because you said like the since it's more troping the third one like that helps with like what's already been established. But looking at it on its own, without looking at what's been established, just on its own, it just looks kind of it. It's just it's tropey, kind of paint by numbers and cliche again on its own. And so, like, I, I don't want anyone out there to think I don't like the Indiana Jones movies. I love the Indiana Jones movies. Who oh, no, doesn't? You don't like them. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm, what I'm, you think I know, is I'm, I'm my just... numbers, I think, is are defining characteristics. Okay, and so then we're just kind of... Yeah, we're just... Saying, this is, yeah, this is just... We're arguing sub, something subjective at this yeah. point, and then... Mm. And, and kind of something we want to end, emphasize in the show is it's a lot of subjective opinion. Yeah, and that's yeah. why this is a film fracas for <laughs> things that are happening right well, now. And, Something to be said about predictability is like I don't necessarily think that's the fault a fault on this movie because a lot of these movies are predictable like RoboCop you know he's gonna make it to the end or like Princess Bride you know it's gonna work out and they're gonna end up together and I mean s- several of these movies are predictable but that's I don't think a fault of any of them yeah yeah I agree and I think going on to Princess Bride since I feel like we haven't touched on it a little yeah. bit um. I mean, I think Princess Bride works. You know, it's like you said, it's a storybook tale. Um, uh, it, it, it's not. It's if it is tropey, it's on purpose because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be kind of like a fairy tale it's story. Like, also, like making fun of fairy tales. Exactly, too, exactly, bit. and it, um, and it does it in a good job. Yeah. It's well executed. It's yeah. satisfying, like from beginning to end. Um, uh, so I have no qualms with it. I don't know if yeah. other people do. To say, just to keep using this paint-by-numbers term, because I, I do like what Brett said about that, like, I'm going to keep using it, where it does paint-by-numbers, it, like, goes outside the lines. Like, it doesn't feel confined to those spaces, mm-hmm. but it does, like, use familiar patterns and yeah. know where its beats are, but it still turns mm-hmm. it on its head and goes outside the lines, like I said. I love The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. I love its framing device, yeah. which is, I think, something that none of our other films really have, which is... Um, do any of our other films have like a, a real framing? framing device to it like that? I don't think so. Mine do not. No. Yeah, mine no, don't. Not really. No, they don't. So I, I love that about The Princess Bride. It has kind of a classic framing device to it, which is a lot of fun. I mean, Iron Man starts in video res, but... But like not that's, really that's not a framing no. device, yeah. So... And we'll, we'll get to talking about all those movies in a bit. Yeah. But I just wanted to kind of point out, I like how much of a frame... I like the, the grandfather reading yeah. this. Reading uh, Little Fred Savage, the story. Mm-hmm. is no, definitely. It's a fun bit. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. anyone have any more to say about... <laughs> wants to go next? Robert, do you want to go next? I, well, yeah, sure. Do you, do you want to go? Well, you're, in, you're next. Let's, oh, just, keep going. Next. Let's yeah. just keep going around the table. Okay. Uh, let, I'm just going to go down the list. Iron Man. Uh, I touched on it a little bit last week. Iron Man has the most self-contained uh, story of any of the MCU movies, which is a nice bonus for me because I just get to talk about Iron Man then. Uh, you have a great redemption arc for Tony Stark. He goes from being this kind of sleazy, scummy guy who goes 
and sells weapons in the Middle East as a war profiteer, essentially. And uh, he ends up being the hero and saving the day and, you know, gets the girl. Does, You know, he does all the great superhero movie things. And it ties itself up in a neat little bow while still leaving a little bit of room for mm-hmm. more movies in the future to come out. Uh, I love this. I love Tony Stark's story throughout this whole thing. I think you get a real. I think, it, like we said last week, it's the best way to show him as a character because he gets kind of dumped on a little bit later. He becomes very one dimensional in the rest of the MCU. So I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna stop talking about that one. I think it's pretty solid. The Big Lebowski, which is the one I'm the most worried about story-wise, <laughs> because it does meander. Uh, the Big Lebowski tells the story of the dude, Jeff Lebowski, uh, and it starts with a great moment. Uh, he's, you know, just chilling out in his house, and uh, some guys come in, shove his face in the toilet, and uh, piss on his rug, and that just sets everything off. Uh, I think the story of the dude finding the other guy named Lebowski with his exact name in Los Angeles is, I mean... He just gets wrapped up in this crazy story that goes on, and it's kind of, you know, doesn't bite off more than he can chew because he didn't choose to bite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so the story is kind of about, you know, figuring out what is going on, and that's why I like, I talked about last week, that's why I like the dude so much. You view it, the whole story, through his eyes, and that's what I think is great about it. I think the Coen brothers tell a great story of, you know, the dude and the audience trying to figure out exactly what the hell is going on <laughs> right now. Um, that's my defense for it is it's kind of intentionally confusing and meandering because it's so slice of life, because it's so crazy and out there that if it were to go kind of buy the book or follow a regular three act structure, I think it would seem too fantastical. And what they wanted to do was set up an absurd story that still felt feels like, it could have happened, even even though it has these crazy characters involved in it. And then, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? You've got a great, simple detective story, um, which is so much fun. It's got a great twist at the end uh, with the judge. I mean, I think there's, there's not much too much to talk about it. I think you really get a great story. You get kind of a mix of detective and buddy cop there between Roger and Eddie. And I love that movie, love the story. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you guys start talking about these things. <laughs> so, um, right off the top, I think Big Lebowski is actually quite strong story-wise. But Thank you. <laughs> very, well, it's viewed through a certain prism mm-hmm. because the movie is very much about like nihilism. And so the yeah. idea that the film is framed like it's purposefully about nothing is kind of brilliant in its own way. That it is very much this man just kind of going through life and like what does it amount to I guess it also has a bit of a framing device with yeah. the narration from Sam yeah. Elliott's character like, and so it's like just to go yeah. back to our framing device yeah. conversation from earlier but it's yeah it's very much like what did it all amount to nothing really and that's kind of what the whole purpose of the movie is about yeah. is that sometimes a lot of stuff amounts to nothing at all other than the death of your friend Donnie. yeah and like, that's, that's that's yeah and that's really just the way it is. And he just kind of keeps on keeping on. The dude abides. The dude abides. And so I think, yeah, I think that's actually quite brilliant in its simplicity, if that makes sense. Thank you. Um, I think... I'll send your love to the Coen brothers. To the Coen brothers, yeah. <laughs> um, Iron Man, I think, as we've said before, is because it is it doesn't have to rely... Because like every MCU movie after Iron Man pretty much relies or they get progressively more reliant on previous entries. This is very much like you can't watch Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. You have to watch Iron Man 1, 2, then Avengers, then Iron Man 3 for it to make sense. At the very least. At the very least. Um, And it gets... And then you get into this whole mess of, well, to watch the Avengers, you have to watch. (laughs) And so it gets even worse as you... Because you you certainly couldn't watch Avengers 1 and then Avengers 2. Like, it wouldn't really make any sense. Um, And it gets progressively... So Iron Man on its own, though didn't have any of those constraints. They weren't having to worry about what this character were doing or what this character were doing or where this person was or where this person was. Mm-hmm. They were very much like, this is what we're going to do and tell a good story about this one person. And I think they do that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man, even though it is the first film in the MCU, it still kind of feels like it's from that class of like the Sam mm-hmm. Raimi Spider-Mans mm-hmm. and like the X-Men movies. Yeah. like. It kind of has a feel like that to it, even though mm-hmm. it is, you know, the beginning of yeah. this superhero boom we're having now. I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit is 
absolutely brilliant. Yes. In that it juxtaposes this kind of noir detective and like wacky cartoons. And yeah. it's like it's it's brilliant that they bring these like these two completely different things together and it works so phenomenal. Not to mention the fact that they we haven't talked about it on the podcast at all, but I just want to talk about the amazing fact that they brought two very different places together. They brought Disney and Warner Brothers together to, you know, put all yep. their characters together for this great film. This one film. So that's so. those are my two cents on those. Yeah. That's an analog there. I would say Foo Frame Roger Rabbit is solid. Um I would say yeah. Iron Man as well is um like, like we said, the most self-contained um, for like any of the Marvel movies because it, it is kind of in that sweet mix of like going from the more older style of very self-contained superhero movies, but is on the brink of starting like where it is now with not really non-self-contained, but just definitely where you need some like background information or some mm-hmm. having needing to see the previous yeah. ones to understand what's happening, which is. Uh, good for this topic, like yeah. for best story, because the story is self-contained and it works. Um, the Big Lebowski, I, I do see your point, Carter, and it is one thing that I was like thinking over when we were, because actually when when we drew the uh, when we drew the topic, my first thought was maybe the Big Lebowski because it is so meandering and so um, not. I wouldn't say directionless because I think the direction is there, but I would say that. Um, as this, like you're saying, the story supports the point, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that would mean like it's interesting because the story by that definition is strong. But I would not, when I think of the Big Lebowski, I would not say that its biggest, like its best part is the story, like at least for me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. whenever yeah, yeah. I love. When I watch The Big Lebowski, when I talk about it and I love it, I love uh, the character, which is why I was kind of on your side last week mm-hmm. with, the, with The Big Lebowski. Right. Um, uh, like the characters. The quotes. The quotes. Um, the, like the world. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just like, yeah, the Coen brothers, like tone and stuff. Um, I think all of that's strong. I would say the story is kind of lost, but... For hearing your definition, I can see like why it, it's deserving of you know maybe surviving this this week. So yeah, yeah, I would say I'm you know satisfied for the most part for mo- most of those things. Yeah. The, about the Big Lebowski being the most questionable, but I'm more leaning towards a yes. On yeah, that. well, I understand like the questions on that. I'm not thinking that this that the Big Lebowski is shooting for our winner this week, but I think I think maybe with like some of the things Carter said, some of the things I said, I think we have an idea that it like. It stands alone on its own in its own weird way. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is super solid. Like, yeah. I don't know what I can say that hasn't already been said at this point. Yeah, it's just a great noir detective story with a like one of the only good buddy cop movies out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Iron Man, super solid. It's great. Again, it's just, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I actually don't think The Big Lebowski has that strong of a story because even though it's like viewed through this prism and like, oh yeah, it supports the point, it doesn't change the fact that it's still not a strong story. I yeah, like it, it, it still meanders, yeah. and it's mostly like I love The Big Lebowski. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but it is like basically just kind of like a collection of bits and a collection of quotes, and it's kind of like yeah, I get it. it's supposed to be about nothing. Nothing ultimately happens. That doesn't that doesn't change the fact that it's like, yeah, it's just meandering story where ultimately nothing happens. It's kind of like, yeah, this guy just wants to get his rug, but then just all this other random stuff happens. And it's like, OK, this is cool and quirky and all. But like, I understand the point is it's nothing, but it's like, what's the point? It's just like, yeah, I love it, but it's just. Yeah, it's just like it it has strong points in every area. Like yeah, it just it it meanders and just like it's so just like random. I just feel like the story isn't that strong because like oh, it's about nothing and it's like okay, yeah, that's fair. Like I said, I don't have much of an argument against it. I know it's definitely one of the weaker points of this movie. That being said, I think for what it is, that it 
when you view yeah. it for, through that prism, it's doing exactly what it was intended to do. Yeah, and I just I really brought up that argument because it is very much like at face value, and what it is when you look at it is yeah, it's not really a story, but if you think about it, you know, in a certain point from a certain point of view, you can see that it it kind of is, and I just didn't want it to be like dismissed outright because I think there are merits to what they're trying to accomplish. Like yeah, yeah there sure. like yeah there are merits to what they're trying to accomplish, but again, like taking it face value. It's just, yeah. it, it's not that strong. All right, Phoenix. And your race to the race for the top, I think, between your three. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> some strong picks. I do, yeah, I like my choices here for this topic. Um, uh, I'll start off with Moonlight. Um, fantastic story. Um, very clear direction, very clear arc from the characters. Um, m- like, Plenty of subplots, but all seem tied together, like the subplot with his mother and with um, the other people in his lives and stuff. Um, the main plot being is the character, uh, Chiron, and his arc. Um, there's not much you can really say other than, like, I just think it's solid. Um, uh, it's very clear and very satisfying. Um, we've got Signs of the Lambs. I also think it's really great. It's this. Um, it's just another, like, a detective trying to stop a... A serial killer by the name of Buffalo Bill and Clary Sterling needs to work with another serial killer, Hannibal Lecter, and uh, which is not an easy thing. But you know she's able to accomplish it and able to like like help out with, or help with the FBI and get some clues and some answers and stop Buffalo Bill. And uh, in the process, you know um, works with Hannibal Lecter and ends up like freeing him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's there's a clear goal. Um, it's very interesting, very tense. It can like uh, if we're talking in like a classic, um, like rising action. There's like it can get very tense, very, and like the obstacles are really hard and clear and very unique because it's not just you know action. It's just a lot of talking, but mm-hmm. the talking gets very like mm-hmm. intense and uh, unpredictable, which I think is yeah. very cool. The, um, the story is about their mental game of chess, essentially. Exactly, and I think. Which is riveting. Yeah, r- very riveting, and I think very unique, um, and. Um, not like a lot of yeah. a lot of stories, and then we've got The Shining, which I think is an excellent um, horror and kind of fall from grace, um, where we have this family who moves into this hotel that has a lot of issues with it, and then of course the family themselves is not the like strongest either, mm-hmm. um, and through like this mystical this mystical idea of like The Shining. We see that this fa- this hotel is maybe taking control of one person by the name of Jack Torrance, who also shines. Um, and we also have Danny, who shines as well. Um, he shines like a star in this movie. Yeah, but he's Shining the everywhere. he's the young except, he's the young one that except Wendy. She Wendy, just got yeah. except she, Wendy. She, except Wendy. She just got laughing mental scars. She, yeah, she, yeah, she really got the short end of the stick. Yeah, she, she had to deal with. The rest of this movie for, the, for her life. Yeah, she's yeah. just like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> and everyone else is like, oh, we know. Yeah. But we can we can see what's going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like they move in. The hotel like gets its like dark past into the into the family and like tries to destroy it from within. Uh, it, uh, it takes Jack Torrance and like completely takes him over. But luckily, Danny with his shine is able to. Um, kind of out like outshine, outshine Jack Torrance, and <laughs> is, like use his powers to escape. Um, and yeah, that's it's a tragedy of Jack Torrance, but luckily the family survives. The amount of times we you said shine in that description, it's hard to not it say. It, yeah, it's hard to not say it, but it made it seem so like it's not as sinister. As yeah, the, like, the movie is. The hotel yeah. shines and he shines and he shines while stabbing an axe into her face and yeah. shining. Yeah. No, I think uh, he shines brighter and they all yeah. escape. Yeah, I think you were right that uh, yeah, Moonlight hundred percent is, is. I mean, it's it's pretty safe. It's it's a strong character piece, arc drama, life of this man coming of age, all that together, and it's great. Um, yeah. Science of the Lambs, I think. Is I think of the films we have in this group, I was talking about predictability earlier, is the only one that kind of isn't as predictable because you're pretty sure that they're going to catch Buffalo Bill. Like, you're like, okay, they're, they're going to catch Buffalo Bill. But you don't know if 
the girl is going to survive that he's captured. You don't know if she's going to make it. You don't know if they're going to get there in time. Yeah, the senator's daughter. Yeah, the senator's You don't know necessarily what Hamble Lecter's going to do. You don't know if he's going to escape. You don't until the end when he does. And it's so that one I think has the most unpredictable elements in it, which I think really kind of serve to develop that kind of the tension in the story. Yeah. Right. And I'd also like to add, they also kind of throw in a neat twist where towards the end, you think that the FBI found him and like the whole squad yes. oh, goes yeah. to yes. that house and it, and it like, and with the cross cutting, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, there he's like, they ring the doorbell, mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill hears it and stuff and goes mm-hmm. over, but it's actually like a different location mm-hmm. and it's really clearly he's going in by herself. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's like a real unpredictable moment yeah. of like, Oh my God. Like I thought I, I thought we had it solved and we don't. Yeah. It sprinkles in unpredictability that takes, you know, a thriller that, has a pretty standard structure to it and makes it riveting. It makes it a lot more fun to watch. Yeah. And then uh, The Shining, I think, is also brilliant. It it's, I mean, it shines. It really <laughs> does. It is a shining example of, uh, yeah, and this kind of deconstruction of man kind of thing where he, like, falls apart and very much like the danger of cabin fever and, you know. Danger of cabins. Danger of cabins and snow. Wilderness madness. I mean, Jack, <laughs> wilderness madness. It was, Jack it's Parker. actually a prequel to The Maze Runner. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, in a way. When he runs, <laughs> runs through. through the maze. Jack Torrance learns the dangers of snow. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's a good movie. I like my picks. You know, what do y'all got to say? I, I wholeheartedly agree with Carter. I think... Where I said last week that Sharon is, a may- is maybe a little too open to interpretation to be a strong character, I think his story is the reason why they can make that character so open to interpretation, is because because it is such a strong story. So, one hundred percent agree. Moonlight's great story, you know, well, it's incredibly well written. Uh, I mean, I kind of piggybacked on Carter talking about. Silence of the Lambs from The Shining. I think I think you have three solid picks this week. I don't think you need to be worried at all. Brett? Uh, like, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're fine. They're, they're all solid. Yeah, you got the Moonlight, has, has been said. It's just great character-driven piece. It's just good. It's consistent the whole way out. Each act is a self-contained story to tell this larger story, which is great. I love it. Uh. It's been a while since I've seen The Shining and Silence of the Lambs, but yeah, The Shining is also a good, just, just yeah, like a good fall from grace story of just watching these people's lives just be totally just warped and distorted and destroyed and just seeing how everything just endlessly goes downhill. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's a solid story. Uh, yeah, Silence of, was I talking about Shining or Silence of the Lambs? Ah, geez, I'm losing my mind today. <laughs> the Shining, yeah. Okay, but... Uh, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, another good detective story. Uh, like like Carter said, yeah, you know they're going to get him in the end, but you don't know who's going to make it, who's going to live. Uh, my my only my only complaint about Silence of the Lambs, and this is without having seen it in a while, is just kind of like I felt like the Hannibal Lecter story at the end, where it's kind of like, oh, like he escapes, he gets away. I felt like that kind of like didn't like bring things to a screeching halt, but I was also kind of like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Uh, I, but I, I want to know what's going on with the FBI. I want to know what's going on with Clarice. Uh, but like, but it, it also works like as a good B plot. That's yeah. just from what I remember, I just being, I just remember like being taken out of things a little bit, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still a good story. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you yeah, your picks are all, I, yeah. yeah, they're all solid. Yeah. Yeah. To that, I would say like, it takes you out of the A plot, for a second, but then you kind of get engrossed in what's going on there, and then it's like, an easy switch yeah. back to the A yeah. plot. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. so, like, yeah, yeah. And it should be noted that the reason, or one of the reasons why, I mean, I feel pretty safe is like two of my picks are like screenplay best picture or best screenplay winners at the Oscars. So true. The, yeah. the stories on Moonlight and Silence of the Lambs, I feel confident on. Shining, it seems like we've got a like pretty good or yeah. good opinions about it here. So I feel pretty good, pretty good this week. So I honestly think you should feel pretty good this week. Piggybacking off of that, uh, starting in our second episode now, we will be picking a winner of the week. Yeah. So. So are we gonna do this voting style, or are we all just gonna pick our own winner and then? Um. 
I like I like picking our own winners. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Just pick our, especially so since we're not yeah. giving any perks to anybody. Yeah. No, just pick yeah. our winners. We'll yeah. just all just pick our own winners. So, cool. Yeah. Robbie, what was your winner of the week? Oh, my winner of the week. I think I know it's contentious. I know this was we we're kind of split on it. I think it's got to be Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade for me. I think it's I love that movie. It's I was so happy when you picked it. So I think Indy has a great story. I think his the whole role of his father in that film plays for a great. Great story. I have a lot of fun with it. It's my winner for the week. I'm very surprised by that, but I mean, I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, for mine, I would say Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is solid. Like, like it's such a, uh, it's, you know, such a... Uh, lost my train of thought it's just great it it, it it takes such a complex and such a hard idea and executes it in a way that i don't think anyone could have imagined if 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 we live like when we lived in before who framed roger rabbit times and that was presented as like an idea that sounds too insane to even be close to being as good as it is and it is as good as like as we know it to be and it's i think fantastic. that's it's you know it's an achievement it's a true achievement so i have to give it to who framed roger rabbit uh, I am also gonna say Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just because, like, again, it's like one of the one of the best detective noir stories, one of the best buddy cop stories, just because, like, yeah, just because, like, this is a guy who hates the buddy cop in this situation, and also just like Carter said, just the juxtaposition of kind of like, oh, like hard boiled, grizzled private eye noir, but it's like cartoons and like right. silliness, and it's just kind of like. And it's just kind of like, yeah, like what everyone's been saying. It's kind of like if you would have pitched this crazy idea, it's kind of like, what? No, that would never work. Right. And it's kind of like, how could this possibly ever well, never work? Yeah, like, what are you talking you about? Have, you know, the hard, you know, detective noir talks, but they're talking about the most absurd things. Yeah, I know. And, it, and it's also, and it's, and it's also like, I know like a, a lot of noir movies just get like so unnecessarily complicated. And it's sometimes, so and sometimes they leave too much up to the audience to connect. Whereas like, who from Roger Rabbit? It's like, it's just like, yeah, it's got like just like like it's got just enough complexity of like intrigue on like who done it kind of stuff going on, but it's never like it's not like an inherent vice where it's like okay, like excuse me, you're what? not even sure what the MacGuffin was. Like yeah, exactly. And then like uh, I, I don't want to like I don't want to compare it to season two of True Detective, but I'm gonna because I just recently watched that. And it's like they left a lot up to the audience, and some of it got unnecessarily complicated. Whereas Who Framed Roger Rabbit is just kind of like hey. Here's this this is our story. Oh, here's a twist. Here's another twist. Oh, and it's just yeah, it's just solid all the way around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I didn't expect other people to pick Who Framed Roger Rabbit because that was my winner of the week as well. Hey. Hey. I, uh, and I'll tell you why because initially when we were talking and I was considering all the movies, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Moonlight because I was like, that one's hard to beat. Because it's I mean, of all the like character driven about a single person coming of age arc like single character art kind of thing. I think it's the strongest out of all we've got here. But in talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit in our over the course of our discussion, I was like, it really is so layered. And you have stuff like, I mean, like, Valiant's brother was killed by a tune. Like, that's why he hates them. <laughs> like, that's so wild. Yeah. And yet it's, it's so great. And it just... The, like you said, these two things that you never in a million years would have thought would go together so well go together. And um, quick tangent, have any of you heard of The Happy Time Murders? No. So it's this new movie, I think coming out in the fall, and it's with the Jim Henson Company. And it's like kind of a similar thing where it's like a like a hard like murder mystery noir, but it's with Muppets. And Ooh. humans. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see if it so, doesn't turn out to be just a well, rip off. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it is in comparison. But that that made me think of this when we were talking about it. It's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, that's my favorite. So now we have to. Well, now I just feel bad because I I was like I don't want to pick something of my own. No, that's fine. But Roger Rabbit's good. It is good. I feel like I picked a solid one. <laughs> yeah, you picked a solid one too. I think now's the time. It's good for every film fracas. There must be one that says goodbye. To the proverbial island. From, yeah, off the island. <laughs> Total drama island. Booted, booted off the island. We, that we, we own that name. We put the DVD in a cannon and yeah. shoot it off the island. I like to imagine the uh, island is on the moon. So it's just the moon? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Boot uh, it off the moon into space. Shoot Goodness. it into the sun. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully get it out of orbit. Get it just into orbit so it has to watch the rest of the season. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That works. All right. Floating around. Okay. 
All right, who goes uh, first? Shall I go first? Uh, sure. Oh, this boy. week. I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me just gonna be let me just preface this by saying, uh, like, yeah, then, then I know what's coming. Like <laughs> at my most fundamental level, like the movies that make me up as a person are Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and Indiana Jones. Like those four series, like quintessential to me. Or, like, who I am as a person. That's why it breaks my heart that I kind of have to give it to Lord of the Rings this week. Because I'm just like, I... Like, it's just, to me, it's so... It's so important that it is the beginning rather than the rest of these movies all tell a full story. And even with uh, Last Crusade, it can be said that, like, it relies on, like, having seen Raiders... Temple of Doom, not really. But you kind of rely on having seen Raiders, but even then, it establishes enough of the character of Indiana Jones, and you like, just from watching it, you even get his backstory in that, so you arguably know more about Indiana Jones in Last Crusade than you would have if you just watched Raiders. And and so that's where I think it stands apart from, like, Lord of the Rings. So this week, Fellowship of the Ring, I'm I'm saying goodbye. I don't know what everyone else is. Which way are we moving this? To me? To me, we'll go... I guess it's counterclockwise, whatever. Um, so, I mean, this isn't a surprise for me. It's I, I don't vibe with it. It's not my favorite movie. I'm going to have to also pick Lord of the Rings. I think it does a fine job of being what it is, but I feel like, yeah, it gets too caught up in being the beginning of the story. And even for being the beginning of a story, for me, it doesn't catch me. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to keep beating this. Uh, it's my pick for who's to go this week. And that was me? Yes. I w- told you I was very surprised at your pick for best uh, best writing, or best story, because uh, Last Crusade was one I was very considering. That It was it was honestly between Last Crusade and Lord of the Rings. Um, I just think, you know, Last Crusade, it kind of... Uh, it's, it's tricky. I don't think it's... As far well, I, again, it's my second favorite, but I think it has some a little bit of flaws in its story um, of the Indiana Jones movies. Um, uh, but I think I still got to vote Lord of the Rings because, like, like we've said before, it's you know it's incomplete. It's a story. It's it's self-contained, but not everything. It's not meant to be seen just on its own. It's meant to be seen in the trilogy. I don't know anyone that. Has seen Fellowship of the Ring on its own and felt it and felt like that was it. Everyone kind of knows you need to see all three. And when you need to see all three to get the whole story, I think that kind of hurts seeing it, seeing just one of them. And for that reason, I'm gonna have to vote out Lord of the Rings, which I'm sorry, Brett. Again, (laughs) this happened where three people have voted out the same movie. So we already know that Lord of the Rings is out. But if you want to (laughs) shake your vote, go ahead uh, attack one of us back. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit me hard. Uh, my my vote was for the Big Lebowski, but at this point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> I I still feel like the Fellowship of the Ring works, e- even though like yeah, you're supposed to see all three of them. I still feel like it it's self contained enough. Everybody has their arc. It never meanders. Like enough happens to where it does work and stand on its own. And, like, yeah, you get everything about these characters in the movie. It does, like, everything that Carter said, like, The Last Crusade does, like, Indian <laughs> Lord of the Rings also does. And I feel like, I, I don't feel like it gets caught up in being the beginning because, like, everything's got to start somewhere. But, I mean, at this point, it does not matter. So, yeah. I just want everyone to know that. Film Fracas is clearly stating that J.R.R. Tolkien is the worst storyteller of all time. And that's a sentence that we are agreeing with. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I honestly agree. (laughs) We're going to put J.R.R. Tolkien into a cannon, shoot him off the moon. He lost a story podcast, a story topic. That's (sighs) insane. Could you? Did anyone think this would happen in this podcast? I honestly did not see this coming. I did, I, I really didn't see this coming. But I was you know, incredibly worried that all of you were going to turn on me and be like, "Big Lebowski." I mean, I knew it was happening as soon as I started, and everybody was immediately criticizing Lord of the Rings. 
So I was just sitting here waiting like, okay, let's just get to the end and do the voting already. <laughs> I uh, was, when we, when we draft, when we picked the topic, my first thought was Big Lebowski is going to go, but Carter said such a good def- like defense for it that I couldn't, I couldn't really disagree. Yeah. So there we go. Goodbye, All right. Lord of the Rings. Goodbye, Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship uh, of the Rings. Or the ring. Sorry, the ring. Yeah. Shall we um, give our recommendations? Oh yeah, off? recommendations right now. Um, I am not going to recommend Red Sparrow, but instead, what have I seen? Have I seen anything new? Oh, oh crap! I watched. Uh, I'm watching Gilmore Girls. Everyone should watch Gilmore Girls. I love it. I watched a fabulous movie, Game Night. Go oh, and see Game it. Game Night. Game Night was good. If you haven't seen it. It looks like a standard comedy, and it is a standard comedy, but my gosh, it is probably the funniest movie I've seen in like the last couple of years. It's so good. Wow. That's high praise. Highly recommend Game Night. All right. Uh, Not a movie, but I recently binge-watched the first two seasons of uh, the Adult Swim cartoon, C-Lab 2021, so I'm going to recommend everybody... uh, Watch that and then uh, come back and tell me how much they hate me because they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird show, but I love it. Um, this week I've just been rewatching uh, the short-lived MTV show uh, Zach Stone is Going to Be Famous Ooh. by uh, Bo Burnham. And it is such a treasure. It's so good and so underappreciated, so underwatched. So I'd recommend that. You can get it on iTunes. Like I did, it's only ten bucks, and it's like twelve episodes of pure comedy. It's so great. All right, uh, this has been our second episode of Film Fracas. I'm Robbie DeShazer at Robbie underscore DeShazer on Twitter. Got Carter Spilliards. Yeah, Carter Spilliards uh, at C A Spilliards. Like spill something in your yard and add an S on Twitter. I am Brett J H N S N number one on Snapchat. So follow my slice of life. And I am bomb ass Phoenix on Twitter. All right, that's gonna do it. Next right. week, uh, we're gonna shoot another thing off the moon so. or a new location that we decide to <laughs> Who knows? Right. tune in. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for another <laughs> exciting episode of Film Fracas. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Film Fracas. We know there are a lot of shows on the web, and we are so glad you took the time to listen to ours. Thank you to Brett Johnson, Carter Spilliards, and Phoenix Arola for helping to write and produce each episode of the show. There's no team behind Film Fracas, it's just us. So consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help get the word out. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Film Fracas. Once again, thanks for listening, and we can't wait for you to hear the next episode.